0: Welcome, dear listeners, to episode thirty-two of the empty rooms of Gorsky Manor. Our tales are now drawn to the whispers of cobwebs, brooms, and knocks in the night. We sat within the manor nursery around a long table with many candles all now cold and silent. Upon the table rested the book, dark blue of color, name written in fanciful letters of red. Six puppets had just sat in a circle around it. Then, with a snap of their magics, all disappeared within the pages of this book, each invited on a journey quest. My dear poppet friend Tuck was among them, as was I. I had wished to accompany them on the quest, yet I also desired to remain in the dear manner with my companions. Poppet magics are absolutely fantastical, Two places at one time. I now can be. Feathers, Simon, this is absolutely amazing. The magic has truly worked. I can see them, the puppets, there within the book. Not through my eyes, but through the knowing. Oh, this is so excitingly grand. I shared with my friends. I felt very honored and grateful to have received this almost impossible experience. Two places at once, one can only imagine this happening. I spoke with humble appreciation. I can now stay with you, my dear companions. I did so not want to leave you. Yet there I be On this quest with six puppets, a quest I so desired. I smiled and gave my companions each a hug, which they returned wholeheartedly. Really, I could truly see the puppets and myself within the book. We stood at a crossroads on an old cobblestone road. A waxing crescent moon danced on the horizon of pale green in the darkening night sky, just above a group of quaint village shops at the top of the hill. The road, now lit by olden lamplights, there flickering, calling us forward, to the shops all now closed tight for the coming eve. An old wooden sign carved and worn read, Drury Lane. This is the place where the Muffin Man dwells. I remember the drawing of it in the book well. I return my attention to the nursery and heard a loud (coughs) snore and rattle find us from the next room. I protectively reach for the book which had remained here in the nursery after our departure. I placed it safely in my backpack. Quietly, we tiptoed into the next room. I looked back to the windows to see the man in the moon was gone. The room felt empty, still spick and span, yet the energy had changed since the release of the two man-childs. We followed a short hall lined with drawers and cabinets and shelves and closets to come out into a cozy room. In the middle, a large four-poster bed nestled in an alcove of tall, thin windows. The curtains were drawn. Only a few beams of light found their way through, and cast their light upon the bed, a bed where a sleeping figure lay. It was Mrs. Plum, Nanny Nan. We were about to turn and tiptoe out when she sat straight up with a start and a snort, pointing a pudgy finger at us. She shouted,
1: What have ye in thy bag? Ye thieving, silly old hag. Return the book to the table at once, this very moment, or I'll give you a trounce. She pulled off her covers and hopped out of bed with great
0: agility for a nanny of her age. I knew it was me she spoke to. I hugged my backpack straps tightly, ready to defend my ownership of this precious book, for inside it, My other half did be. Mrs. Plum, please, let me say, this book was my mother's for many a day. She gave it to me, a dear gift, you see. How it came to be here, I do not know, I fear.
1: But it is mine, truthfully. Poppycock, fiddly no. That book belongs to young miss. This I truly know.
0: She made me feel a moment of doubt. Could she be right? I'm sure others did have this book so long ago. How can I prove my sentimental ownership? My mother had never written her name in it, nor mine. No childhood scribbles or colorings do I remember. Mrs. Plum's black, unblinking eyes held me in my place, her outstretched open palm waiting for my release of what she wanted. Then I knew. I had placed an item of sadness within the book. Here, I said, pulling out the book. Here, let me show you. I opened the book to a slip of paper. A bookmark in a special place. She came nearer. I could feel her intensity. I felt and held tighter to the book, for her eyes were set firmly on it, on her desire, both her hands now at the ready for me to release the book or for her to snatch it. Look, I said quietly, I opened the book and showed her the bookmark. It was the graying obituary of my mother, bookmarked to the rhyme of the muffin man who lived on our childhood street of Drury Lane. Her aggression immediately disappeared. She looked intently at my mother's photo. Her tension softened. Her gaze at the picture held affection and care. She stared so long, putting her hands to her heart. Then she looked to my face, looking within me for a piece of my mother that might be seen. With reverence, she closed the book within my hands and gave it an affectionate
1: pat. D. Loris Broom, such an intelligent child, a sheer joy to look after. She sighed with
0: nostalgia. <gasps> what did you call her? I responded with shock. That is not her name, her last name.
1: So long, so Very long ago, always too short a time together, she said dreamily
0: as she visibly lost her energy. Quickly fading, she slowly shuffled to her bed, just enough energy left to climb upon it and pull the quilt up to her nose. My mother was a broom? I spoke with shock, totally bewildered. Could my mother be a part of the broom branch of the Gorsky family? She was not that in the life I knew her. Oh, but previously, a past life perhaps. <gasps> I felt agreement come from the knowing. Could I truly be a broom? I asked Simon and feathers, still with disbelief. Yet neither denied it. We left the nursery in silent contemplation. Such a revelation, if it be true. We wandered the halls for a time, distracted, me pleasantly pleased, a new connection to the manor, layers upon layers to be unraveled slowly in their good time.
1: Mistress,
0: Simon whispered, breaking our silence. It would be him to speak first. Yes, Simon, I answered, still lost in my thoughts.
1: There is a place that, that calls,
0: he whispered. I stopped with interest and bent down to look into his eyes. Feathers hopped on my shoulder, intently staring at him too. He took a hop backwards as our stares did feel a touch aggressive. I rubbed his head to ease the tension. That he responded to and rubbed back into my hand just like a cat.
1: The the Tower Crone. She reads the ancient tarot cards. She's now confined within the tarot card of the Tower.
0: Yes, I knew that card. Number 14, beliefs shattered, false pride, lies exposed, shocking awakening that shakes one to your very
1: foundation,
0: arrogance released.
1: Yes, each turn of the year, one of destruction brings the cold storms of winter snow, that which can extinguish the destruction of the tower, put out the fire and ease the collapse. This is brought by the Crone of Winter,
0: Feather said with respect and regret. My, who is she? I asked, feeling an immediate thread of interest and connection wrap around my heart, beckoning me to her. They, Simon simply said. They, I asked, wanting more telling, that he shrugged his shoulders in response to, reluctant to share or not knowing then feathers offered
1: call one be the tarot whisperer in the crumbling manor stone tower call and the other be the crone of winter the Kaliak, Ka Ka she who brings wind and snowstorms to the manor, Ka
0: Oh, I have heard of the Kaliak, the Celtic crone goddess. I have felt her presence a few times within my journeys. As if on cue, a large rumble of thunder rang from above into the manor, followed by long flashes of lightning. We all ran to a nearby window and watched as a downpour began quickly, drenching the grounds below. The bare trees outside our window were soon covered in the element of water glistening and twinkling with every flash of lightning. A waterfall of droplets quickly flow down the window we peered from.
1: This storm, Kaa, is the beginning. Soon, upon her arrival, Kaa, All will turn to the silence of deep, ancient snows.
0: (sighs) This made me think I have been here within the manor for I don't know how long. Time has been lost. No, not lost, just changed. I thought back to the herb garden of the manor chapel. Spring will return. It always does. Where is the tarot whisperer? I asked Simon.
1: There, yeah.
0: he said, pointing out the window with the next burst of lightning. I could just make out through the downpour. Ruins in the distance. Ruins of a tower with large stones. There. At the edge of the forest, on a small knoll, I don't recall noticing it there before, be that as it is, here at the manor. How can we get there? I asked, looking to the storm that had not the intention of stopping any time soon.
1: Caw, fly, mistress.
0: Feather said, matter-of-factly, as if I should have known that.
1: You have your broom, car.
0: She reminded me. Yes, I did. I touched its worn staff of wood, made to fit each other perfectly by many, many journeys together. I felt its warm awakening. When I hear the word broom, I always see it in my mind, with an E at the end. Just like the Broom family within the manor. My mother. Synchronicity, for certain.
1: She waits.
0: (laughs) Simon reminded us. I looked out at the storm. I have never flown in this kind of weather. It felt rather exciting. There is that special feeling Being in nature, being in the middle of what it is sharing, being able to survive it, I felt very interested to meet the tarot spirit. Let us do it, I said with adventure in my voice. I searched the room we were in for a furniture dust cloth that I could use as a cloak to give me some amount of protection from the rain. We then tried the window and gladly were able to open it. Immediately, the rain and wind pushed their way into the room, taking our breaths away. I slammed the window shut, brushing the raindrops from my face. I had one moment of reluctance, but pushed it away. Adventure is not always comfortable. I wrapped the dust cloth around me, tying it firmly to my neck and waist. Simon hopped into my jacket pocket and dug down deep into its cozy depths. Lucky little bugger. Feathers, do you want to come under the cloak? I asked her.
1: Thank you, mistress. (gasps) But no, I have flown through much worse than this.
0: She stated with confidence All right then let us depart and with that I opened the window to its widest and crawled upon the windowsill. Leaning my broom outwards into the torrents, I whispered my magic words to broom, for that is her name. With the E. I could feel her shiver of energy stir held on tightly as we leapt into the storm's wind, for the wind is our ally as we fly upon her. Feathers overtook us quickly, and over the gardens and grounds of the manor we flew. It was exhilarating. The dust cloth cloak, being of strong fiber, actually protected me well from the pounding rain. For one moment, I realized I was leaving the manor. That old concern. Can I get back in? But what is done is done. I looked forward into the lightning flashes. Keep a true straight-as-a-crow-flies trajectory, I told myself. And oh, what a flight we had. I could feel Simon wiggling in my pocket, peeking out just a touch to partake of this indescribable sight. I felt one with the storm, flowing with it, riding the waves of air and water, the wind pushing us forward with ease towards the tower ruins, helping us to our goal and then we were there we circled the tower once looking for a place to land the ruins were quite truthfully ruined the roof of the taro was gone windows all empty walls mostly crumbled into tall heaps of huge rocks and stone as we began our second round I yelled to Simon, where do we go?
1: Within.
0: He tried to yell above the howling storm. I more felt his words than heard them. I looked to see feathers still flew at our side, her feathers slick with rain. I began to dive down towards a large arch at the top of the tower rubble and carefully flew between its all became silent with a blinding flash and a deafening clap of thunder. The storm trolls are surely having a great game of bowling in the clouds tonight. When my sight cleared, I found we stood on a small stone balcony. The storm was over, an urgent night wind could still be felt. We were up very high, five, maybe six stories. Before me, I could see the manor in the distance, perched on the top of the hill, windows dark on this moonless night. To the other side of the stone was the Gorski Forest, huge, ancient, twisted trees towered over us. Dark leaves and branches were just visible before the even blacker darkness of the inner realm of the forest. I felt this is the Tower of Esa, the rune of knowledge flowing through the great large stones of the tower's walls that I now clung to Esa, the rune of the hermit, alone with one's memory and doings, the ruin of the realm of Niflheim, the land of silent ice. I checked for feathers in Simon, Simon still with my pocket, green eyes peeking just above the pocket edge, weary yet curious. I saw feathers on a window's ledge nearby, intently looking within. A faint candlelight flickered on her beautiful white feathers. We carefully inched our way over to her, as the balcony I stood on was more like a stone ledge than a balcony. We got to the window eager to peek in, too. Our curiosity was not disappointed, for within the now alive tower, no longer in runes, was a huge old Jotun crone, a giantess. <gasps> I knew right away she was from the Norse realm of Jotunheim, peoples I feel a strong kindred to, many of my spirit guides also from that realm. She sat cross-legged beneath the tower's arch, one candle was all that flickered in the shadowy chamber. Her face was a shock to me. Even though she kept it tilted down with wispy hairs of white and gray that glowed in the candlelight, I could see her features were gnarled and weathered with great age. Whispy, hear the whispers in the She casted many tarot cards, beautiful, ragged edges worn from endless use. We watched as she whispered words over the cards, shuffling with great skill, still nimble in her old twisted hands. Every so often, one card would pop out and float before her face. Some kind of exchange flowed between them. I could see her lips moving before the car gently floated to its spot within the taro spread upon the floor. I couldn't stop myself from tapping on the window to get her attention. She stopped but did not look to me. I scratched and knocked again. The same response I received. I was shocked and ducked when she threw a card at us. Simon jumped to, feathers flapping her wings ready to fly, but she did not move. Simon, why did you suggest we come here? She does not seem to want our company, I asked as he looked up to me.
1: He needs help,
0: he said, with an I-really-don't-know-why look in his eyes. I looked to the card she tossed at us. It had slid down the window and was stuck in the pane. The hermit card, my favorite tarot card, one I truly embrace and always feel excited to have come out in a reading. I embrace my hermit existence, one the giantess lives too. obviously her message to us to leave her alone. I tried to see what cards lay in the spread upon the floor. They were of a style I have never seen, very shadowy illustrations, intriguingly enchanting, yet I could see a few. Six of Swords, Seven of Cups, The Fool, and The Tower. Her spread was unique too, beautiful as it flowed out in a crescent moon from her body. She continued to draw more cards, whispering and speaking to each one before it floated down to join the spread. I watched with awe As she completed a row of cards nearest to her body. With one beat of my heart, they all began to move, flowing outwards from her center, each row moving one row farther from her, with reluctance making space for a new row of cards to be pulled and cast. Terrible magic! is surely to be seen here. Then with no warning, the giantess let out a heart-wrenching scream. It was so loud, making the whole tower shake. I had to cover my ears, crouching down beneath the window in fright. Feathers flew up and over to a tree nearby. I could feel Simon shaking in my pocket. I felt so sorry for this spirit, trapped in some kind of a spell, her largeness not making any difference, not the key needed to break free from this room. I heard a tapping in the glass window above us and shrunk down farther, pulling my jacket hood over my head, trying to get as small as possible but the tapping came again with more urgency. I slowly, I slowly moved to peek into the window again. Simon wiggled to see, too, and there was the smiling face of a puppet. It would have given me a fright if I had not already been personally introduced to them. He seemed friendly as I returned his smile. Can you hear me? I asked, not too loud, as I looked past him to see if my voice disturbed the giantess. She remained focused on her reading, paying no heed to us. He shook his head yes and motioned me to come closer. Feathers returned and landed on my shoulder, ever weary of puppets.
2: You have come? For your tale?
0: he asked. I looked at feathers with a shake of my head in confusion as to what he was speaking of.
2: All come, eventually, to hear their tale, he continued.
0: Little did I know I would be getting a tarot reading from an ancient Yotan giantess this very day. Is she trapped within? I asked him with concern. The puppet tipped his head from shoulder to shoulder.
2: Yes and no, this be her tale, her fate, as was foretold by the cards. The web of weird is endlessly hard to escape. Though time brings forth acceptance.
0: Hmm, I thought. Acceptance, the web of weird. Fate woven by the norns at your birth. Predetermined within the runes. Woven within your threads, old and new. I'm not so certain I desire a reading from this magical spellcaster, for that be what she is. I felt an odd sorrow for the giantess. I usually never say no to an offered reading, but I do not want my weird rewoven into a tale that may not be my own. This the knowing confirms strongly a clue to her predicament what may have been foretold, she foretelling what was not hers to tell. Did you know of this, Simon? I asked him, giving him a pat through my pocket to catch his attention and answer me. This visit is of your doing. Before he could answer, the poppet held up a card. The hanged man. I quickly made it clear. Thank you kindly, but this is not a reading for me. I did not agree.
2: Look at things from a new perspective. Surrender. Wait, reflect for the right decision.
0: The puppet offered as he looked deeply into the card, then held it against the window for my consideration. Who said that? I asked my companions. As the voices did not sound like any of us, I looked to the giantess. She had finished her last card, and with a wave of her hands, all the cards gently arose from the floor, spun a few times, and landed in her waiting hands. She gave them a gentle shuffle and held them to her heart. She bent over a little more, And then I could hear her sob and sigh. Large tears fell from her eyes, squeezed tight with emotion that fell to spill over the cards. I watched, unable to turn away. I didn't feel sadness. She began to rock back and forth. Back and forth in rhythm with her sobs. These were tears of affection. Amazing mystery shared. She and her cars share a deep affection and understanding, nurtured and expanded through the centuries together here, alone the whispers came again. each word shared i listened and tried to follow where each voice was coming from
1: as
2: listen
0: heard voice repeat the words. Voice, I have missed you. The manner, the manor himself.
2: It be your task. Do not deny.
0: over. It was the stones, the stones of this tower. I touched this one and that and could feel the vibration of their words. I felt Simon wiggle up and out of my pocket and hop to the windowsill where the puppet still held the card. All looked to me for my nod of agreement. I looked to the giantess and saw her little eyes twinkle from beneath her large brow. With one sigh of trust, I gave my agreement. Please do share what you do see. Your skill, your deep love is plain in thee. Share the truth, what must be told, as our tale now must unfold. The wind swirled with excitement as we all looked to the giantess to watch her nod slowly in agreement, bringing the cards to her lips for a most gentle kiss. Her candle sparked into a much larger flame and she began her shuffle. She shuffled for a time, a dreamy time of in-between, not knowing, and then knowing. One, two, three, four cards popped out of her shuffle, Each paused in front of her face for her to see. Then each card floated downward to gently lay upon the stone floor with the face downward. The puppet jumped to the floor and over to the cards. She waved her hand to allow him to pick each card up in the order they were cast. He bowed his thank you and returned to us at the window. The giantess continued to shuffle the cards. We could tell the reading was complete as she went back to her casting. The puppet laid the cards on the windowsill. Slowly he flipped over the first card. The Three of Swords. Oh my, I gasped as I saw one red heart with three swords piercing it through. The stones began to whisper, offering the tale.
2: Three companions, all together, share one heart. One a heart that knows sorrow, sadness, guilt. Three emotions that turn to affection. A great connection that keeps them together, for each needs the other. With much time spent together, healing will be found. New adventures will release and replace the now-gone into safe, cozy corners, but never to be forgotten. Three emotions changed to patience, perseverance, and hope. The puppet turned
0: the next card. Six of cups the card of nostalgia, those from one's past will come forward. Oh my, Harry, Gorski Manor, ghosts and puppets and the knocks in the night, I thought haunted houses, spooky movies watched in the night with my grandmother in her haunted house.
2: The card speaks to moving on, picking up the pieces, return to balance and harmony, delight in these warm feelings surrounding you. Now, here at the manor, a welcome home.
0: The next card, Six of Swords.
2: Struggle no more. Find a better way. Journey with new companions. Bring only what you need. Trust in your spirit guides. Call upon them and they will answer. Listen for curiosity.
0: A favorite word of mine. And the last card the puppet turned was the Seven
2: of Cups. So many choices and possibilities offered and to be made, which are illusions, wishful thinking, personal challenges, or pivotal moments. Use discernment, carefully. Follow your one true path, what fills up your emptiness, within you and within the manner, This will be the right choice. I had to lean
0: against the stone wall to support myself for my legs felt wobbly with this most amazing reading and sharing. So deep, so emotionally correct. I felt every word true and helpful. Such clarity. What an amazing reading. I felt so thankful to the giantess. Her skills be very, very grand. With my hand upon my heart, and deep appreciation filling it, I simply said, Thank you, Tak fira, dear Tarot Whisperer. We watched as her candle began to dim and disappeared into darkness. We found ourselves at the base of the tower, empty holes where once were windows of colored glass. The stone wall toppled into heaps of stones, a skeleton figure of the strength it had once been. I felt all is well within this stone tower. The tarot whisperer is where she wants to be. That is all we can ask of our existence. As we looked up, little flakes of white snow descended upon us from the black night sky, gently melting on our upturned faces as we hugged tightly, three dear companions we be. Then from the tower, one more card floated down to my waiting hands. I looked upon its face to see what last message the giantess had shared. A smile crossed my face and filled my heart. A most lovely and appropriate card indeed. Blessings and hugs Dear listeners,